The scripture reading this morning is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, through chapter 6, verse 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. Father, um, we just thank you for this glorious day that you've given us. Um, Lord, just the opportunity to be in your creation. Um, to be gathered together um, is just so precious. Lord, we just take it for granted too often, uh, this family that we have here at church. Um, the brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, a gathering together is a powerful thing, Father, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the institution of church that you've created. Uh, Father, just be with Mark this morning um, as he teaches us his word, um, Lord, that we would grow closer to you, that we would learn something new this morning, Lord, that it would be your words through the Holy Spirit and not Mark's words, Father. I just thank you again for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, let's see how far I can get forward here. <clears throat> I don't usually do this. Correct somebody who just prayed before me. I don't know if you caught it. He said, may... You speak, he speak his word. My hope is not a, it's not my word. It's his word. I know that's, I know that's what you meant, his word up there. But just to clarify, yeah, capital H, his, his word, your word, uh, Father, that that's what we want to desire, that's what we desire. We desire to speak the truth. We desire to um, have his truth be known. We desire um, to be changed and transformed by his word. That's why we go verse by verse through the Bible. That's why we take our time um, in doing things um, on Sunday mornings as far as preaching goes and teaching goes. We want to make sure we understand rightly the Word of God, the whole Word of God, not just part of it, not just a little bit of it, um, not just the parts that we like, uh, but to wrestle with the stuff that is difficult to understand um, and maybe even extremely challenging to us individually. And so that's, that's our goal today as we read uh, study this passage as we try to understand this passage, that it be for his glory to find out what he wants to say to us. So if we could oversimplify the book of Galatians, which we've been going through um, for probably the last number of months, if we're to oversimplify the book, we could break it into really two sections. The first four chapters talks about God's justification of his people or God's making right the people of God, making them righteous in his sight. Because of our sin, because of our sinful nature, because of our inability to be perfect, as God demands us to be perfect to all of his commands and to all of his desires, something needs to happen. That needs to be fixed. And so what happens is that God justifies his people through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, through belief in Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, through the grace of God alone. Not by any works of ours, 
It's great that everybody's here this morning, but this does not save. This does not make us right in the eyes of God. Something has to happen. And so he sent his son to die for us, to take the death that we deserved, to live the life that we could never live so that we might have a relationship with God and be with him for all eternity. So that's the first four chapters. The last two chapters speak of our sanctification or are being made more and more into the image of Christ, reflecting his character, his life, his love of the Father in every area of, of our life. This means striving to better obey the commands of God, not for justification, because he's already justified us as his people. Sanctification is a lifelong, slow, and at times extremely painful process and a battle of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who dwells in us, overcoming the desires of our flesh. He speaks of this battle back and forth. Some days the flesh wins and some days the Spirit wins within us as his people. And we do this, we fight this battle. We are sanctified by the power and the presence of God who abides in us as his people. But God has also ordained that fellow justified and sanctified believers come alongside us in this battle, as Paul says, to bear one another's burdens. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What do we do if we catch a brother or sister of Christ in any sin? Now, remember, he's speaking, Paul is speaking to Christians, not unbelievers, okay? He's speaking to people who said, I believe in Jesus. I believe everything, that song that we sang, I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he's gonna come again. I believe in the resurrection. I believe all of that. That's who he's speaking to. So what do we do if we catch a brother or sister in a sin, now, this isn't about the practicing sin, which we looked at last week, which Paul strictly says it prevents, if we practice sin, we, it prevents us from entering into the eternal kingdom of God and heaven. To practice means we do it over and over again, trying to perfect it. We want to become proficient in our sin and we don't care if God says it's wrong. Should we practice such sin? And he gives a long list in the section right before here. Should we practice that? He says, you do not inherit the kingdom. You do not inherit eternal life in the presence of God. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about in this passage. What he's talking about is a brother or sister in Christ who in a moment of giving into the flesh is angry or gives into lustful temptation or causes a division. Basically that list of the flesh and it happens in a moment. It's a, I don't want to say spontaneous, but it just, it's not practice. It's, we make mistakes as God's people and we fall prey to sin. What do we do if we catch a fellow believer in that kind of sin? Paul says we restore them. We restore them with a spirit of gentleness. Growing up, my parents owned a 1966 Chevy Impala. I am not a car geek. 
Don't even come up and start talking about it. I have no idea. All I know was that car was beautiful. And when my dad sold it, I disowned him as my father. Because I wanted that car. I wanted it badly. Baby blue, built like a tank. My dad restored it over my childhood years. If there was a broken part, he fixed it. And it wasn't restored until it was complete. It was in the process of restoration. When the work was, when the work was finished, it was done. This is what it means to be restored. A fellow believer who has sinned is broken. They aren't rejected or disinherited by the Father, but there is something that needs to be fixed, something that needs to be repaired or, or, or completed in their relationship with the Father. Something is broken. And so God's people come alongside them and they get to work to restore that brother or sister in Christ teaching, rebuking, correcting, praying, listening, encouraging, on and on and on. All done, he says, in a spirit of gentleness. Now, what does it mean to be gentle? I've said a hundred times, if not more, my favorite phrase, one of my favorite phrases, a text without context is a pretext for a pretext. So a text of scripture without actually looking at the context of that scripture is a pretext for us to take it out of its meaning and give, us, give it a meaning that we want it to say. So if we take this verse and say, well, you need to be gentle. You need to be gentle. Well, what does that even mean? Only a few verses before his call to restoration, Paul lists the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did we catch it? Did, did we catch what he said? Gentleness. We who are spiritual, we who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us and have his fruit growing in us, are called. we are called to restore a fellow believer caught in sin, not out of our own power, but by the power of the Spirit in us. We restore our brother and sister by the power of the fruit of the spirit that is growing in us. Not because we think it's the right thing to do, but because God commands us by the character of his spirit in us. By him who lives in us, we bear one another's burdens. We bear the struggle of overcoming sinful temptations. We walk alongside one another. We share the burden of, of our battle with the flesh. This is part of why we do not forsake the meeting of the saints. This is why we gather together on a Sunday morning. This is why we gather together in Bible studies. This is why we get coffee together one-on-one. -on -one. We do not forsake the meeting of the saints so that we might be able to hold one another accountable, to love one another, to come alongside one another, because we are not in this alone. We have fellow brothers and sisters who love us and are willing to walk with us through any transgression. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I'm not an idealist. I realize that that statement right there that we have brothers and sisters who love us and are willing to walk with us through any transgression 
Let's just say it's limited, right? And it's limited because we, even as God's people, man, we love gossiping. We love looking down on people. We love lifting ourselves up. And so to hear that, you may say, but I have been, I have been burned over and over and over and over again. Why should I trust anybody who goes to church? Because we're broken too. We're just saved. We are, we are the people of God, and yet we still fight and battle the flesh within us. Show us grace. At the same time, here's my recommendation. There's only a few people even in my own life that I will share my sin with who I know love me and will come alongside me and actually will rebuke me and correct me out of love with a spirit of gentleness. That's a side note. We'll get there in a second. In doing this and walking alongside each other, we fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the command of Christ to love one another as he has loved us. How did Christ love us? By completely burying our sins upon himself so that we might be saved from our sins. Do we desire to love one another? Then let's bear one another's burdens of overcoming the temptation of sin, overcoming the flesh. Let's walk alongside one another, restoring one another, rather than gossiping or demeaning or belittling one another. Why? Because each of us, as a child of God, will have to bear our own load. This is what I love about scripture, because immediately, maybe at this point, you're saying, wait, isn't that a contradiction? You just said, bear one another's burdens, and now you're saying you have to bear your own load. Well, which is it? You got to pick one, you got to pick the other. Well, actually, we don't. How can we bear one another's burdens, but then be told that we have to bear our own load? The burden of verse two, the word burden, is different from the load of verse five, actually literally. But if you forgot your Greek New Testament with you, it's a, Greek, it's a different Greek word. It means something completely different. The context, though, gives us some guidance. That's why context is so important. Three different times boastfulness is referred to in this section. In verse 26, he says, let us not become conceited or boastful. In verse three, if anyone thinks he is something, well, that's boastfulness. Verse four is, is a little bit more obvious, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. Now there's a little tongue in cheek there for Paul. Our natural tendency when a brother or sister is caught in sin is to become boastful of ourselves. Jesus actually gives a parable of this on the very issue uh, on this very issue in Luke chapter 18. I'll just go ahead and read it. This is the beauty of parables is they're meant to be spoken out loud. So even if you don't have your Bible or your Bible app with you, this is Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. This is Jesus. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. There's your boastfulness. This is the story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is why I don't use an iPad. It just went out on me. At least outside. I should have learned my lesson from this last summer. He says, Paul does, we tend to become boastful when we look at a brother or sister We see their sin and they confess it to us. Our tendency then is to go, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not like them. Man, God, you you see her? You see what she's struggling with? See, I I don't struggle with that. Thank you that I don't struggle with that. And we begin to lift ourselves up. We begin to compare ourselves with our brother or sister in Christ. We begin to boast and think that we're so awesome and we're so good. This is why it's tongue in cheek when Paul says, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. When we begin to compare ourselves to other people, of course we're gonna boast. But the problem is, is the difference is that I have just yet to confess my sin. I have yet to actually have my sin exposed. I have yet to be caught and I'm glad that I'm not being caught because then that gives a little image of me of a sinless holy man. But the reality is, is that when we compare ourselves to Christ, to God himself, who is the epitome of perfection, we have no reason to boast in ourselves. That's why it's tongue in cheek. If we actually looked at our own hearts, if we actually looked at our own sin, what would happen? We would realize that we are as much a sinner as that person that we're looking down upon, as that person who has confessed their sin to me, wanting me to walk alongside them and to love them. And wanting me to speak to them in gentleness and love. But when we become conceited in our heart, when we become boastful, we miss the point. We are all the same as human beings. We all need Christ. That we can look at other people And as a Christian, I can hear a sin, no matter how egregious it is, and say, without Christ, that would be me. Without Christ, that is me. But I have Christ. And Paul's going to get there later on um, in this chapter. Towards the end, he says, who do I boast in? I boast in Christ. And so, We bear one another's burdens. We have the temptation to sin, realizing that there's a log in my eye and my brother or sister has a speck in their eye. I need to humbly come before God, realizing when when sin is confessed by a brother or sister of Christ or sin is confessed by me, they can come alongside me and love me because we are all the same. And yet we understand that we will have to bear our own load at the end of time. My, I will be judged on my works. 
on the judgment seat of Christ. That, that I'm not going to be judged for, for justification. I'm already saved. All right, if you want to really simplify it, my ticket to heaven is stamped by Christ himself. But I will be judged by my works. I will be judged by my obedience. I will be judged by the way that I fight the temptation to sin, that I fight the flesh in my life. I will be judged by that. But I don't approach, as a Christian, I am not afraid to approach the throne of God in the sense of that suddenly he's going to find me unworthy and kick me out of heaven or never let me in. I'm already in. But he's going to say, so you're going to have to bear your own on. Did you fight temptation? Did you live for me? Did you live a life of obedience to me? Were you sanctified and growing more and more into my image? Well, but what, what about this guy over here? He was an adulterer. I never cheated on my wife. And God's going to go, what do you have to do with him? He's going to be judged on his own works. But as a Christian, we walk before, come before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And we come with confidence. Not that we're perfect in our works, but that Christ's works were perfect for me. And because I believe, because I have faith, because he gives me that gift of faith and belief and the grace that he shows me, I am a child of God. So we can come alongside one another, bearing one another's burdens, fully understanding that I will have to bear my own load before Christ. I need to check my own heart. I need to come with a spirit of humility and gentleness because I want the same thing to happen to me. And I know that I will be judged by Christ at the end. One of the things that people, maybe I say, I'll I'll put it more into a a personal note. One of the things that I struggle most, most as a pastor is application because I'm a firm believer that we know what we need to do we just don't really necessarily want to hear it or we miss it. You know, like, well, okay, so how do I, how do I go to, to my fellow believer who's just confessed sin to me in a spirit of gentleness? Well, you come to him in a spirit of gentleness. What else is there, right? But Paul, awesomely, actually gives us some application. So if a brother or sister comes, what are we to do? We are to restore them. We're to walk with them. We need to come to them with a a humility and understanding that we are not to compare ourselves to one another, but we are to compare ourselves to Christ, which makes us all equal, makes us all in the eyes of, of sin, at least, that we all still struggle. So we come with humility. We take this sin with humility. We don't immediately get on our phones and text our friends, or at the next coffee time, share a prayer request. Well, did you hear about Mark? Did you hear what he struggles with? We come with gentleness, with the fruit of the spirit that is growing in us. We bear one another's burdens. Secondly, we actually go to a brother or sister in Christ. Now that's probably one of the most difficult things. We've if we've had people come and confess sin, yeah, it's like, oh man, that's hard. How do I deal with that? How many times have we actually confessed sin to our brothers and sisters in Christ? But to actually take the step 
to be willing to have someone come to me and say, you know what, here's some ideas. Are you struggling with divisiveness? Are you struggling with anger? Then maybe you need to take these steps. Maybe you're struggling with pornography or sexual immorality or adultery. What can you do in your life? Maybe it means putting something on your phone or on your computer that, that they've, they've got these programs. You put them on there and they block the sites. They make it more difficult for you to access those things or even go even crazier, get rid of internet access. Your eternal soul is far mo- worth far more than your social media account, right? Can we? It's hard. It would be hard to do that. But obedience to Christ is more important than our convenience. And God will honor that. And then... Thirdly, boast in Christ alone. Realize that even as a child of God, I have nothing to boast in in and of myself. If I obey Christ, praise God. He gave me the power to do that. And so I'm going to boast in him and in him alone. And again, what does that do? It creates humility and gentleness in us. Are we a church? Are we a people who can confess sin one to another. We're, I'm not saying come up front. We're going to have a time of confession here. Who would like to uh, share their sins with us? No, we're not going to do that. I don't want to do that. It's awkward for everybody, right? But find a brother or a sister in Christ who loves you, that you could pull them aside, take that step, share your sins, and bear one another's burdens. Our society, our world loves to demean and put down, to find that one thing, that one mistake that you made. I am so happy that I grew up not in the social media age. And everybody my age and older says, amen, right? Because we would all be canceled, (laughs) right? We would be. But instead of canceling one another, what we should do is love one another, fulfill the law of Christ, care for one another, Don't share sins of other people. Don't gossip. Don't share prayer requests, but give yourself to Christ. Obey him. And he will honor that. Each one of us will have to bear our own loads, and so we should come with humility. Now, if you're an unbeliever, if you hear these words, and these are just like weird to you, you're like, You know, it sounds great, but yeah, no, I'm not really willing to share my sins. I'm not really willing to do that. Um, I I would even stop there and put you back a number of steps and say, my question is, is do you believe in Jesus Christ as your savior? That's where you got to start. Say, well, this is ideal, Mark. This is a living in a dream world. Ah, This is reality. This can happen in churches if we're willing to let go of ourselves. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to put your faith in him? Are you willing to receive the grace that he gives to you? And be saved, yes, from hell. To be saved from being out of the presence of God for all eternity and having the joy of being in his presence. Again, what's the best thing about heaven? It's not that I'm not gonna have bad knees anymore. It's that I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. Do you love Jesus? 
Then confess that. Say it with your mouth. Live it out with your life. And you will be saved, he says. You will be saved, the Bible says. Experience his grace and his love and his joy. Become part of a church that loves the word of God, that loves the gospel, that loves one another, strives even in imperfect ways to love one another and to hold each other accountable and to hold each other accountable with a spirit of gentleness. We're not perfect in and of ourselves. We're perfect in Christ. And so experience that perfection. Experience that joy and that gentleness. That when the things of this world, when our lives fall apart, what do we fall back on? We fall back on Christ. And we fall back on the church. We fall back on one another. We are not alone in this journey of living for Christ. And the beauty is that Standing at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not alone either. Why? Because Christ is with us. The judge is with us. We're never alone. How many people are singing it now? You are not alone if you feel lonely. When you feel afraid, you're not the only one. We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and set free. It's all we got to lean on, but thank God it's all we need. All we need is Christ. We are not in this by ourselves. Are we willing to step out in faith to trust that what God says is true? And are we willing as God's people to hear the sins, the confessions of brothers and sisters in Christ and love them through that, restoring them in their relationship with Christ? Father, I pray. I pray that this passage is not a a passage of of idealism, things that can't ever come true, Father. It, It comes true in you. It's only through your power, through your goodness, and your graciousness, through your love that we as your people here at Elm Creek can live this out. I pray, Father, that you would make that real for us, that we would do it out of a love for you, not to try to earn your love, but instead, Father, to to know that we are already saved and because of our love for you, we want to obey you. And this is your command. Bear one another's burdens. Help us not to become boastful and conceited, thinking of ourselves more, more than we ought to. For Father, it is only because of you that we are worthy. It is only because of you that we could stand in your presence. It's only because of you that we are saved. And so Father, may our lives reflect that. We love each other in that way so fulfilling the law of Christ. And Father, I pray for those who are here this morning or are listening to this, Father, that you would prick their heart if they do not believe, that they would, they would find the joy that they are seeking, the gentleness, the, the peace that they are seeking and desiring, that they can only find it in you, Father. Father, may they see that, experience that, believe in you, change their hearts, Save them, Father, and make them your children. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our final song.